soil. I just say certain disaster upstairs. There was wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oh. And uh, twinkle, twinkle, little star, the book had fallen out of the cot. Oh, my So word. she couldn't read it to Bedtime Bunny. <clears throat> Terrible. It was rage. But Jess is fine now, is she? Yeah, she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've um, given her a gin and tonic. She's much better. <laughs> uh, so you well? I am fine, thank Ooh. you. What about is there, you? Is there a hint of doubt there, John? <laughs> um, it's just a week has gone by without even a blink. It has, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the... Uh, the podcast comes around very quickly. Yeah. It's well, weird because you, you don't always have a, a marker in a week of the same thing, do you? You know, even work can be different from day to day. But um, but the, our, our weekly podcast, it's just like a little little mark that <laughs> shows just how quickly time is going. Yeah, and, and uh, we haven't planned any um, any future podcasts, had we? So we kind no. of came on this completely blind Um well, I, I have anyway. Well, no, me too. <laughs> I've been desperate the last half an hour doing <laughs> yeah. some reading. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, should we should we start? Do you want to uh, do you want to introduce the uh, the show? Yeah. Welcome to North v South, the podcast that is and isn't about design. Um, we've this is episode twenty three. Wow. Uh, and, I, and I still can't stop saying er. Uh. <laughs> or um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, we've, I'm sure we've both got our little ticks. I've got a habit of kind of doing a weird sucky in breath thing when I'm thinking of things to say. Um, you've got your ers, I've got my erms. I don't know, everyone has, hasn't it? It's just when you listen to things back, you uh, you realise. Well, it's only actually when you, res- when you listen to real professionals doing it... Um, uh, there have been guest um, guest presenters on Women's Hour recently, yeah, and they're generally dreadful because <laughs> um, my wife has told me about uh, Kirsty Allsop was on it and was just a shambling, you know, mess because she couldn't uh, string a coherent sentence together. It's not scripted, obviously, um, and it is really hard, isn't it, to keep talking and thinking and reading and looking at links. It you, is. It's a real talent yeah, when that you, we haven't yet mastered. No, God, not even close. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I've been trying to do today is sort out the sound problems we've had in the last couple of, um, or actually three or four episodes on my side. Um, it's been very echoey. and You've been a little tinny. Yeah, um, I can't understand what it is. It's, sometimes I plug in the microphone, it sounds fine. Other times it doesn't, and um, I can't get to the bottom of it. I think I need some kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't know anything about sound, so it's can you, it's can you turn hard. your can you turn your office into one of those anoechic ano anoechic anoechic <clears throat> chambers? Well, I, I've been on a um, egg only diet, so I'm surrounded by <laughs> egg foxes. hundreds of egg foxes. Well, um, no, there is one of those in um, Teddington, isn't there near you? Um, one of those chambers because it's in a pub. Oh, I in a pub where I saw one of the photos. Yeah, one of the photos in te- one of the pubs was- in Teddington. It's <clears throat> It was uh, Pizza Express. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore, but um, but yeah, it's the National Physics Laboratory. Yeah, MPL and, um, has lots of uh, those kind of testing facilities. It's where um, Barnes Wallace tested the the bouncing bomb, and the uh, the Met Police do their forensics, and yeah, they've got wind tunnels there. Uh, yeah, they've got amazing stuff. We, yeah. we, I don't know if I've talked about this before. I'm going to get to that stage soon. Um, but we, I went to a party once in one of their houses uh, that they did a lot of um, radioactive experiments. There's a few that you can't actually, on the road, um, I think it's St. Mark's Road that goes out towards, um, no, I don't know where, I, do, I have to find out where it is. But one of the houses there, you can't stay in it. For, you know, you can't sleep, stay there overnight, but you can rent it out because it's still radioactive in the basement. Wow. And, yeah, we went to it and we had a party there. One of the guys, one of the art directors used to make a load of ads for, had a, his 40th, 50th, 40th, it would have been, birthday there a long time ago, but um, it was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. You gave it a glowing report. <laughs> hey, cha-ching. Um, yeah. There was a <clears> room <throat> filled with cheese. Well, as every good party should have. Mm. Um, so how's your week been, apart from flying by? 
Um, it's been okay, bitty with work. Uh, I was up in London on Monday uh, at a meeting, um, and I hadn't been there for ages. So I had half an hour before the meeting, so I wandered around the city, which is just changes every time I go there. Does, there's yeah. all these squares now, aren't there, with exclusive yep. restaurants. Piazzas. Um, piazzas. Um, I th- yeah, it's 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 a bit strange, isn't it? Um, but that was nice. But um, met a new client as part of an existing client and went for a beer with them. Uh, so it was a good start. Yeah, uh, went into their offices where they work in this place called WeWork, which is like a shared office environment, okay, just yep. south of uh, Shoreditch, mm-hmm. um, and uh, right on the border there with the city. And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting place, full of amazing creative businesses. Um, but it is a bit like a like a cubbyhole. You, you know, you buy a, you rent a space, and you get a little glass cube. And so yeah. all the offices are made of tiny little glass cubes. Um, but amazing views over Shoreditch. Yeah, sounds sounds good. Yeah, so that was good. What else have we been doing? Uh, I've been um, working on some jobs that have just been dragging on and on and on, uh, including a um, uh, a brochure that's been going on for nearly three, no, two, two and a half years now. Wow. It hasn't hasn't gone to print. How good is that? <laughs> Must be uh, every three months. Do you have to um, update it because it's now out of date? Yep. That's exactly what's happening. And that, that's where you get the adage, ship it. Yes. Uh, what else happened? Um, we had a, my wife had a brand new iPhone SE that um, oh. I poured water all over. And killed. Oh. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, we've shared the responsibility for it. Apparently. That was good. That was good of her. <laughs> <laughs> Does she know this? No. Um. Wow. Yeah, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah, that's... Uh, I've only ever done that to to one fern. I dropped it in a bucket of flowers. Right. I, and I, I didn't know it was for about 20 minutes. Did it die? Oh, yes. Yeah. Did you have to pay for a new one? Uh, I did. Yeah. They do... Yeah. They Actually, it isn't buying the whole thing. They do do a replacement, don't they? It was 200 quid to replace it. That still yeah. hurts. Yeah, really absolutely. Hurts, especially when you just pay paid 550 quid for it yeah because we're not you know we just buy them out right yeah cheaper to run but yeah no basically it it was put on top uh it was put in a pocket in the back of a push chair um where we normally keep snacks and things like that i put the the, um kiddies little water bottle in there not knowing that there was a really expensive computer (laughs) (laughs) and uh just put literally a tiny little uh drop of water went in through the sim hole yeah. and killed it it's crazy isn't it i think that's one of the things they talk about that might be coming with the next iphone don't they the waterproof uh, kind of waterproofness um and then getting rid of the the little mini headphone jack so that they can waterproof the innards uh, yeah well i guess i guess they're gonna have to get to that it's so sensitive to water yeah. silly silly yeah um, it's but yeah, no, so we had a nice trip to the Apple store in Basingstoke. And um, uh, yeah, it's actually cheaper just to replace it to pay the cost than it was the, um, uh, you know, claim insurance and pay mm. the excess. It was about the same amount of money. And then your insurance goes up, doesn't it? Yeah. And how's the iPhone SE? So this is, is this basically it's a great? A, it's a six in a five case. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. It's much nicer than the six. I think it's, it's the best form factor. Yeah. Um, I've got a new. Uh, I've got the six S. I went back to Apple, but I've yep. I've got a new case because my case. I got one of those silicon cases from Apple. Mm-hmm. I don't know if other people have had this problem. It just disintegrated. I only had it since February. Okay. It literally, all the corners fell off of it. So um, I've got the the leather, the little leather right. Apple one. That's the same style, but yeah. um, leather, and that's done really well actually. Yeah, I was thinking that's very expensive. Yes, it is. <laughs> just but got, saying that, it hasn't fallen apart, John. Yeah, we just got the money back today because um, uh, they're not making that colour, and I wonder if that colour is, you know, sometimes that happens with plastics, doesn't it? Yeah. That it's particularly rough. Because this, I've got an orange one. I've gone for Do you know, brand, I looked, brand Turpin. I looked at that the other day. I, I actually bought a, a phone case for Steph uh, for a birthday, and I looked at that for myself and thought, no, I can't. 
really buy presents for myself on Steph's birthday. So yeah, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a proper vivid orange, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, it feels different though to my to my last one. My other ones felt suede, and this feels more like rubber. So I'm yeah. wondering whether they've changed. Yeah, and and made it a bit better. Well, we'll see how it lasts because uh, the last one was rubbish. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I like the leather, and they had, they do them in different colours now. They're not just black and blue. Yes, and the very nice tan one. Yeah. Anyway, that's all a load of old apple nonsense, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what else have been doing? I, I got um, uh, I've had my work. I somewhat I'm doing a brochure for another client, and uh, they have a um, uh, they have brand guideline police. Uh, because they're a franchise. Yep. And uh, so I got my work marked by another designer. Wow. Yeah. Uh, how did that go? Uh, grinding my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I read the, the email the next day <laughs> once I'd calmed down. But yeah, it's not much fun, is it? Getting getting marked on brand guidelines? No. I don't, I've never really experienced that before. I mean, I've had to work from guidelines lots of times, but... Um... Oh, these guidelines are something else. Are they? Yeah, they are. <clears throat> they are amazingly rigid and inflexible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was good. Uh, I've read a book on the train. I read your book that you gave me, Book of the Month. Um, which it's good, is, isn't it? Yeah, I loved it. It was beautiful. And, I haven't reread uh, read it yet. It's, uh, no, I, I'm going to reread it again before we do it. I don't know when we're meant to be doing it. We've lost our schedule entirely. Should we do, should we do it next week? Yeah. Um, there's a whole section on the toilet uh, yeah. there, which is just brilliant. It's a fa- it's just a, f- a fantastic little book, isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. And I, what was great was I didn't know when it was written. So I was all the way through. It only tells you at the end. I'm not going to yeah. say it. But um, yeah, I was trying to guess when it was, whether it was. Yeah, it's just beautiful. An absolutely beautiful book. Loved it. Um, and uh, what else? I'm reading. Watch. We're just watching telly, really, and painting kitchens. Um, well, how's, how's that all coming along? Yeah, good. Yeah, it's all finished. Uh, the, well, the shell um, and the utility room's finished pretty much. So it's yeah. just the floor to go. And then the kit, we're waiting for the kitchen. That's been delayed a week or so, which is yeah. a bit of a pain. But um, yeah, so it's all nice and white and clean now. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and um, so we've been watching House of Cards at night. Uh-huh. I haven't watched that yet. Have you watched I take it, do you mean the American version? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, the, I haven't. Uh, it's... Phenomenal! I've just yeah. written that down. I just wanted to say that for the pun. No, it, it's it's pure evil. Yeah, yeah, really good. Really enjoying that. Uh, I haven't got Netflix, but we bought the series and then realised actually it's cheaper to get Netflix for a couple of months and watch all of them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just um, what did I do that with? Um, can't remember. Daredevil. Peppa Pig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, Daredevil. I uh, I did that. For oh yeah, you recommended that one. I need yeah, to watch that. Really good. I just um, uh, took you upon your recommendation and watched Preacher. Actually. Oh yeah, didn't you enjoy uh, it? I've, I've still got one episode to go. Uh, yeah, that was absolutely brilliant. Um, First had, episode, halfway through, aeroplane scene is when it yes. kicked off for me. It's just <laughs> absolutely brilliant. The 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 guy who plays the Irish vampire yeah. is Woody in um, England, whatever it is. 80 blah, oh, this blah, is England. Series. Yeah, this is England oh, series. Okay. Um, who I just loved in that film, and I didn't really, you know, I had looked him up and then. He's yeah, amazing he's in brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. best thing in it. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how close it is to the comics because no, not me. at all. No? No, well, it doesn't follow the story arc. It's, it's mm. got bits of it. Um, but you, yeah, you should definitely read the first book of Preacher, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, will. First collection of stories. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, talking of comics, I read, uh, I mentioned last week that I bought Zenith Phase 1. Oh, yeah. So I read that a couple of days ago. Absolutely brilliant. Oh. Just just as good as I remembered. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna buy the other stories because I, I think that must have come around towards the end of me reading 2000 AD because I've only ever read Phase 1. So um, I'm going to get the others. Uh, I think it's five, maybe. Oh. On the on the other on the other scale of that, I've been reading ABC Warriors in a ah. like, and uh, that is that is terrible. How oh, is it? <laughs> well, the original, yeah. I've, I've yeah. started at the beginning. It's um, it's really confusing art. I find it really hard to follow. Yeah. And, and the stories are just terrible. It doesn't just doesn't have. It's kind of them assembling the team. Yeah. So it's a bit. Uh, oh, what was that? Um, 
Seven Samurai and yeah, Magnificent, and Magnificent Seven. Seven, yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's really aged, uh, especially uh, the quality of the art. I think. Um, but so, you know, have a look, see what you think. But I, yeah, I, I loved ABC Warriors. Yeah, me too. Joe Pineapples is my favourite. <laughs> yeah, he's terribly drawn in the beginning. So I don't is know it? how. I can't, because I'm so, it's so long ago. Uh, so I'm going to read a couple of the books and see how I get on with them. Yeah. Um, but I will be reading Nemesis. Yes. Uh, I saw that in, in uh, Gosh Comics and nearly picked it up. Uh, it's good to, to kind of uh, dip back into those things that we were. So sort of uh, important as a kid. Definitely, definitely. Got any news? Any news? Uh, yeah, there was a thing. Well, this kind of ties into what I've been doing this week. So I've, I've been um, working on eel pie again. Uh, and I've talked about eel pie a couple of times. Um, and it's, it's a really unusual, creative, unique little place. So it's got this history of kind of rock and roll and hippies and music and all that kind of thing. And it's still got this weird sort of sense about it. You know, there's there's little artist studios, there's a big sort of shipyards. And now, I don't know when, probably in the last 10 or 15 years, there's lots of little creative agencies. So it's a really nice place to work. And as you walk over that footbridge to it, it feels different to Twickenham Town. I think because once you get onto the island, you're kind of enveloped in the trees and the houses and it's quiet. Um, but you're still close to the river. And it's this really lovely, creative place to be and to work. And I was chatting this week to a guy who rents a desk from one of the neighbouring studios, and he hardly ever uses his rented desk, but when he does, uh, he was saying how much he enjoys it and how much more he gets done of a certain kind of work because it's just a nice atmosphere. Um, and this was uh, the reason I mentioned this is because there's a, an article in Design Week about they ask design. It's one of those pieces that you hear. Uh, they're asking de- designers where they do their most creative work, and it's a it's an alright article. It interviews a few people, um, but I think we kind of I don't know if we might underestimate the role that our environment has in how creative we are as people. Um, I've got I'm quite happy with my little setup at home now, and I've got my skylight that I have open as much as I can so I can hear the birds and and I think I'm more productive now that, that I've kind of enveloped in this nice little space than I ever was before whether I was you know just kind of sat at a, a desk or the table with a laptop or kind of perched on the sofa trying to work um, and I, I, it's interesting that your you know the your surroundings can have such an impact on your Brain, I thought. There you go. In in a positive way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I guess I guess the the opposite is also true, isn't it? You know, if you're in a in a little, uh, you know, one of those big open plan offices where everyone's got a little cubicle and you're nothing but a Mac monkey, you know, there's nothing inspiring or you know comforting about that. Um. Well, I think the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? When we, when I was in the agency, we rented and we merged with another company. We uh, years. This is a two thousand seven or something. Two thousand, yeah. And um, we we merged with this other company, and we we got these rented uh, uh, studio. No, rented offices in Teddington, which was an old converted like BT. Uh, telephone exchange building mm-hmm. you know totally soulless um you know ceiling tiles and um, horrible carpet tiles um it was a really horrible office and i think we did our worst work in there <laughs> um, and then we moved to a beautiful place called cray muse which is twickenham on a canal well on one of the streams that runs through you know the old industrial bit of yeah. twickenham um and it was beautiful you know we had kingfishers flitting past and um yeah just a lovely creative space and we did some brilliant work there but at the same time our creative team had improved immeasurably and when we merged with the other company we had a really bad creative team Mm. you know join well join us as only small amount but um and so we weren't doing such great work so it was a you know I guess it could level out, but definitely in the the environment makes a big difference if you feel 
safe and relaxed. Yeah, um, it's very hard to sort of quantify. Yeah, it, I think tidiness really helps. Mm. Um, I, I work in mess, so I'm always stressed. <laughs> <laughs> it does, particularly if you start any new projects. You know, if I kind of sweep all this detritus sort of into one corner, into a bin bag, um, you know, I feel like a burden has been lifted. Yeah. And, and, and what else have you been doing then? What have you been working on? Uh, well, I've been at the island, so working on that. Um, but I actually pitched for a, well, not pitched, I quoted for a couple of pieces of work that kind of landed on my doorstep. Um, okay. One, um, uh, an illustration project for a company that does, that makes um, presentations for kind of video games companies and media companies, I guess for like the launch of a game or <clears throat> or when they're kind of searching for investors for a game and they do multimedia presentations and put on, you know, they put on kind of awards things. Um, so that's for some illustrations in my style to go with the presentation of half a dozen different video games, I think. Um, and the other is for a, a design job, doing a logo and some branding for a, a project uh, that's being done, uh, a sports project in Tower Hamlets. Um, and I found out today I got both those pieces of work, which oh. is nice. Well they're, both, they're both screamingly urgent. Um, the American company uh, said, oh, can you get something to us tomorrow? So I said no. But, um, but yeah, they're both nice projects, very different. So that's going to be keeping me busy next week, which is nice. Uh, I've got another commission on. Um, and then I'm going to get together... Um, some ideas for the website because I asked you if you'd be prepared to build me a little, just a simple little kind of holding website um, just so I can kind of get my new brand online and then have links to all my different places, social media and stuff. Um, so I need to get some designs to you so you can have a look at that and tell me how um, <laughs> rubbish my uh, ideas are, which they're bound to be. I really can't do web design. But, um yeah, so that's kind of been keeping me busy. I've been helping Steph out with a few weddings. Um, yeah, that's about it, I think. Because, yeah. you know, we were talking about um, and designers are perpetually redesigning or not designing or not doing anything to their yes. own website. Um, funnily enough, I had a phone call from one of the designers that I used to work in the uh, BT <laughs> phone exchange place with, yeah. and I hadn't spoken to him for about two and a half years, something like that. We we speak occasionally, and he he's been doing. He's now been going. He's a freelancer. He's been a freelancer for twenty eight years now. Wow, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and you know he he's seen cycles and booms and busts and all sorts of different things. So he's a really uh, uh, a really good sort of sounding board to um, discuss you know business with. And um, he was saying, oh, I've seen your website. You haven't updated it since we last spoke. Um, and I said, oh, I haven't actually updated it at all. Um, and I'm actually of the increasing impression that it's an absolute waste of time yeah. <laughs> because all of my work is recommendation work. And yeah. so therefore that feeds it. And he, he has come to the same kind of conclusion because every time he looks at his website, he, he just gets this. Uh, you know, analysis paralysis or whatever, you know, where he's just constantly, well, I would like to add a new portfolio, but actually I'd just like to redesign the whole thing. And, uh, and I don't really want to write an entire article, but then I'm not writing enough. And yeah, so I think, you know, these single pages with just a, a smattering of the work that you've done with no description really of them at all will be just as useful. Um, I think so. I mean, I've got this far uh, without having a website or any web presence at all. So, um, But then you're using it in a much more modern way, aren't you, in the fact that you use Instagram and other um, social media sites to promote your work. So that Yes, um, but without, you- without much kind of method, really. I mean, I just kind of throw everything I do at all social media so that, you know, there's not much um, sort of planning goes into it. Because we, we'll talk about this late, later, but you, when you start trying to make a niche for yourself, you know, if you decide that you are going to create a niche business mm. that goes after one particular type of client rather than just like my style, you know, it's just general 
jobbing client, you know, whoever mm-hmm. pays me money will, will get the work. Um, then you start creating much more of a style so you can cap, you can put that net out, can't you? You'll yeah. catch, catch those types. Yeah. But it's like, how do you, you know, how, you know, you've really got to, um, be a specialist in that field to start with, haven't you? It's, otherwise it takes a long time to, to get in there. You know, for example, if I started, so, you know, I want to become a, a boutique hotel website specialist, how, how would I go about changing my entire business and, and, and sort of negating the risk of, of change, of making that change? Yeah, yeah, I guess you can only make those sort of changes alongside your business and that just means you're going to be doing twice as much work, doesn't it? Yeah. Or none at all while you yeah. transition, yeah. or doing stuff for free yeah. to make that that change. Um, and I'm not at that position in my career or life where I can take that risk. No, not so. when you're paying out for mobile phones left, right, and centre, John. Don't. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, news. So yeah, that was a little. That was that was sparked by a little thing on Design Week. Uh, another thing I saw, which was on social media this week, was uh, the camera adds ten pounds is a, a phrase you hear, um, you know, all the time. And someone has done this. Uh, this guy called Jim Zub. I don't know if he created this GIF, but it's a GIF uh, of a series of portraits of a bloke taken with different camera lenses. Oh yeah, uh, and it's astonishing. You know, like a, a twenty mil lens, and he's—they're all from the same distance, I guess, as well. And it just changes the shape of this guy's head completely. Oh, right, uh, so how it foreshortens. The yeah, yeah, but it's, it's remarkable when you—you know—you know that it it does that to an extent. But when you see this GIF, which is made up of I don't know ten different lenses. Okay, I found your thing now. Yeah, it's—it uh, looks like a different person. Yeah, from, from the beginning to the end. Amazing. Yeah, it's just a really good example of how um, of how that that kind of element of photography works. I thought it was uh, really nice. Yeah. There you go. Have you got any news? Um, well, it's been quite a quiet week, hasn't it? For me? <laughs> <laughs> Has it? Or have we just been unprepared? Yet? This year is Roald Dahl or Roald or Roald. Yeah. His centenary of his birth. Mm. Um, and there's been a few things on the BBC about him. I think that he's relevant talking about on a design but not design podcast. One, because uh, I love his writing, both his children's books and his adult books, and the, the cover designs of his adult books are awesome. I don't even... S- switch I, Bitch. Look, I didn't look, even look. know he wrote adult oh, books. So look it up and uh, look at the cover, the old... I think it's a penguin. What's um, it called? Switch Bitch. Yeah, um, but there was a yeah there was a documentary on his life on BBC Four last <laughs> week, uh, and um, uh, it's um, yeah he had a phenomenal life, and the the amazing part of his story with the the creative sort of thing of it is when he he had no inkling whatsoever to write at all until he crashed his Gloucester Gladiator in the Libyan desert in I'm gonna guess here 1940. 140 something like that mm-hmm. and took over a severe bump to the head and that made him a writer that he started wanting to write stories wow. after that point um and he became um he then fought for the battle of um over athens there was a big air battle there yeah um, and his squadron i think they lost out of 12 planes lost i don't know 11 i think he might have been the only person to survive i think he might have crashed but five of them were killed um and uh he crashed he got shot down and got injured again and so they sent him to new to um washington to be uh, an attache um, where he, they were trying to sweeten the Americans to come into the war. Yeah. And he essentially became a spy and uh, was friends with Ian Fleming at the same time. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was a brilliant, it's a brilliant documentary, but just a wonderful sort of uh, um, uh, insight into uh, uh, just an astonishing creative mind. Um, yeah, I'll have and, to watch that. And one of Britain's, you know, most incredible creative talents of the last hundred years so yeah um really recommend it and they've also been um dramatizing his uh one of his biography boy 
um, which has sort of like been a reprint of his letters, which I've got in my pile of books to read, um, to his mother from school. But he always signed off as boy all the way through his adult life as well. Okay. Um, and it's read uh, the dramatisation. I haven't heard it yet, but it's Patrick Malahide playing him. Yeah. Who was um, Detective Sergeant um, Albert Chisholm, Cheerful Charlie in Minder. Ah. Did you I like see. Minder as a kid? You know? I used to love Minder. Yeah. I used to watch Minder with my dad when he came in off um, off an evening shift. Yeah. Uh, he used to make me um, scrambled egg sandwich. Nice. And, uh, and we'd watch Minder. Yeah, I used to I used to sneak and watch it. Um, and uh, yeah, I loved it. It was on about nine o'clock, wasn't it? Which was well late. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Great theme tune as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> so that's the show. Yeah, check out Yeah, I'll definitely Dog. have to watch that. Yeah, really good. Another silly little thing after that Camarades £10 is uh, a little video clip on Vimeo by Benedict Redgrove. He was commissioned to make an, uh, a film by ESPN for Wilson, the sports manufacturer. Um, this was for the US Open tennis, and it's how they make tennis balls. Um, and it's one of those kind of slightly bonkers, you know, it follows the process all the way through this factory yeah. of how a tennis ball is made. And it's just remarkable. You know, you, you probably have a vague idea of how it happens, but the individual processes and stages are just crazy it's like a what's uh like a heath robinson or there's a rube girl rube goldberg machine isn't it that american illustrator who made these kind of crazy uh inventions and illustrated them oh, i've uh, never heard of them yeah uh he's like, kind of like heath robinson but um you know there was a honda advert um, yeah with that kind of ball that rolls and it does something and knock something off into something yeah, else. Yeah, they've ripped so off that, some artist. Yes, well, that's Rube Goldberg. Right. Um, yeah, so this making a tennis ball, it's just like that, but it's just remarkable. And what surprised me was, although it's, um, you know, a huge automated process with all these kind of fancy, you know, machine, it's really specific machines doing very sort of minute jobs along this production line. Still, a huge amount that um, people have to do, you know, from kind of popping out the kind of these kind of half rubber cups that make the balls, and then putting them straight in trays. And it's it's a remarkable little video, and it just kind of goes to remind you that you know every object out there has been through an incredible process to get made. Yeah, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So have a look at that. Well. While on the subject of pro- products, um, I was uh, there's a product out called the Glyph mm. um, by a, um, a studio Neat who make beautiful little products, um, and uh, I thought this was interesting not for the product itself, just because what we're going to talk about later. But stu- people, designers making products that um, uh, are for sale. Um, so, you know, every time you sell something as a designer or you make something that is sold, are you thinking about its sustainability and how it's going to be broken down, et cetera, et cetera. This isn't part of that story, but it was just me just rambling on about it. And I can't really remember. I saw it. I think it might be Daring Fireball. Um, but it's basically a tripod mount for your phone because uh, such as, you know, as we know, the technology now in your in your phone that you could shoot like um hd in it can't you uh yeah you shoot 4k on it yeah. i think on the on the 6s anyway success yeah um and it's just phenomenal isn't it that you could shoot a little mini movie with it so this well, thing just converts your camera tripod into a little holder for the camera for the for the phone the only thing that puts me off using these things in a, a proper camera tripod is that it just looks all out of proportion to have a tiny skinny little camera on a on a proper camera tripod don't you think? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's just yeah. kind of a weird thing that, you know, although it's doing the perfectly good job, it just kind of feels a bit wrong. Yeah, it's 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 definitely strange. But you know, these are there are two there are two man studio um, yeah. creating amazing product. They they're the ones who created that brilliant um highball app that you can get it's free on the iPhone. Uh, I think it might be on Android as well. Oh, it's the cocktail thing. Yeah, which is just a beautiful bit of graphic design. Yeah, I think 
um, and a really, really good idea. Yeah. I'm just looking at their website, actually. They make some strange things, don't they? Yeah, like a nice... A nice, an ice kit. An ice kit, uh, a uh, cocktail co- rimming tray. <laughs> yes. Which uh, I don't think translates well into... Um, no. ...into your, the, the circles you move in. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, they just, they're just an in, they're just interest. They're just making cool stuff, aren't they? Um, that's the thing is that they're making things that no one else is making because they're making the things that they want. Yeah, which is the best way to do it. Because if, to be honest, if you want something, there's bound to be an audience out there because you know you're going to want the same things. Yeah, I think you know, but I think this this sort of edges us into you know making worthwhile things. If you're making things that only please you, then. Um, uh, and you're making, you know, a lot of them. You need to think about how you're making them. I'm sure these guys do. I'm not making any criticism or, or uh, you know, trying to join this story together. But it's just, uh, it's just interesting that they are happy people making money, yeah, and making nice products. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. And um, but for every one of the products you buy, um, a small puppy dies. Just about to say that. <laughs> That is not true. And if they have a legal team, Uh, (laughs) my address is. (laughs) Well, it might be true. Yeah. They just might not know. Uh, So should we talk about um, that thing that you you kind of pointed out? Should we go straight to that? Or have you got some more news that you want to uh, release upon upon the world? No, have you you got some? (laughs) The only other thing that I I saw that I liked was... um, uh, an article on demilked, which I've never seen before. I don't quite know where I found the the link to it, um, but it's um, a theatre in Buenos Aires that closed uh, or became a cinema in the twenties, but then closed um, when Argentina had its kind of huge financial crisis in the eighties, the late eighties, um, and defaulted on all its debt and everything. Um, and in two thousand, it was reopened as a bookstore and it is the, just the most beautiful bookshop you can imagine it's uh, you know an incredible turn of the century cinema the grand splendid theater um and it's just stunning so now the kind of where the the stage would be and where all the kind of stalls would be it's all bookshelves and then all around the kind of uh where the boxes would be and everything and the the upper circle, and it's just uh, all bookshelves. And it's just, it's just beautiful. I imagine browsing there is the most fantastic experience. But that's it. That's all my news. No more news. Okay. <laughs> so, well, there is one more news story, isn't there, that sort of that kicks off what we were going to debate about or yes. talk about. Um, I'm not sure I've got a huge amount to say other than just sort of put questions out there, really, and sort mm. of get debate and um, wonder what other people think of of it but um yeah you, you you crack on with the story no oh, me yeah uh well i i had no idea that um the cups that we get from our coffee shops starbucks and i assume you know costa and harrison hole and you know all those shops they're not recyclable which just to me was the most bizarre just the most bizarre thought. You think a paper coffee cup you must be one of the most easily recyclable um, products that there there are. But because they're waterproofed, you know, kind of that kind of plasticky, waxy coating, um, they're almost impossible to uh, recycle. So Starbucks, I think, are um, trialling a new paper cup which is recyclable. Oh, only since this week the story. Yeah. Off. I mean, they, they're not pioneers in this. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, no, I think the other thing is to say is that they, they, it can be recycled, but there's only two places in, I think, what I heard on the news, there's only two places in the UK that can do this. And oh, it's a really, happens. really intensive process. So they have to get through. The problem is that they're being thrown away with non-recyclable, that I said that really badly, um, non-recyclable, uh, items so therefore the, it's yeah. very hard to separate them out and a lot of local authorities just chuck them all into landfill because they can't afford to you know 
to employ the right kind of companies that can separate all of these products into into separate items. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you chucking your coffee thing into a bin in Waitrose or wherever is not helpful to anybody. How do um, you know I do that? No, the, you, the general. Well, you oh, do do it. I've seen you. I've got yeah, video. that's true. I've that's got true. drones following yep. you. GPS. Huh? <clears throat> uh, no, so... Um, uh, yeah, no, I I did know that because I read something in uh, in a magazine about it, but I, I don't really. Yeah, I, I've been guilty of just chucking them in the bins, um, and uh, I won't do it again. No, me neither. <laughs> me neither. Um, but yeah, I think the 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 simplest result, uh, the simplest solution is to just reuse ones that you've had before. Yeah, there's no reason you can't. Well, if I they're mean, wa- you know if they're covered in it, wax and. Going to be yeah. used. So yeah. So the main thread of the story, sorry, Rob, I jumped in there with you. It was that the company has made uh, one that it can be recycled, right? Yeah. Uh, sorry, you take that over. I'm just pouring some beer. <laughs> so um, there's a business called. Well, they called this thing called the Frugal Pack and spelt it really badly. It's um, F R O U G A L P A C. So it's like the cheap two pack Shakur cup. <laughs> Uh, by a guy called Martin Myerskoff, who must be rubbing his hands with glee with his, his yeah. particular product. I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? They just make one that hasn't been laminated with uh, with some kind of sealant. Yeah. Um, but Hugh Fernley has been making war on waste, as he does. As, yes. Uh, he, I mean, he has a business that is entirely built on the kind of eco-capitalism um that we're talking about here um, and he's sort of jumped on the on the bandwagon of, of using these products because there are I think it's like one in 400 of the cups used in the UK is recycled um, and there are 3 billion cups in the UK used that's just bonkers isn't it yeah that's pretty depressing um, the Conservatives earlier this year reduced the recycling target for these kinds of items, um, which they call statutory plastic packaging. Um, and it was, did have a target of 57% of them had to be recycled by 2017, and they downgraded that in this year's budget to 49%, um, which will then increase to 2% a year to 2020. So they've basically delayed it by 10 years, Yeah, um, which just sums up the attitude of... Uh, not political government, but just government to yep. uh, the economy. Uh, um, it's just short term. To the environment. Uh, yeah, and every government and every people, are, you know, most people, most businesses around the world are thinking short term, aren't they? Yeah. So the debate, or the thing I sent you to start, that started this was um, just a comment. Um, I was having a discussion with a new client on Monday was about you know, do, can a capitalist economy sit side by side um, an ecological uh, ideology? Um, is there such a thing as eco-capitalism um, or green capitalism? Um, and can we build businesses based on it? Um, or, you know, at least sustainable businesses. Um, it's very easy for, you know, one person to be, uh, you know, say that we're, I'm only going to, you know, I'm only going to use recycled products or I'm only going to reuse whatever. But if you're building a business or a community, how do you engage them, the people in that, to follow, you know, your practices or to to see that as a moral compass, you know, a a certain thing that they need to do in life because it's the right thing to do um, without legislation? Or does it need legislation? I mean, these are all very open questions. Well, it's strange, isn't it? Because Europe is, you know, if we just talk about recycling, Europe is, you know, it's massively better at recycling than the UK, you know, and Northern Europe in particular, Germany and Scandinavia, you know, they recycle, you know, hugely uh, more of their their stuff than, than we do in the UK. And I assume that's part legislation, but part of it is must be a mentality. But where does that mentality come from? Well, I mean, like we were talking about last week, though, the 
truth behind things. We, we, we're, we're far too trusting of our government saying, yeah, well, we're doing 50% recycling or whatever. Mm. What's happening to that recycling? And, and is any good coming of that stuff that's being recycled? Or is it even being recycled at all? It's very, very hard to find facts out about Are you wearing a tinfoil hat tonight? <laughs> no, I just, I'm just, um, I got my story. When we were, we decided at some point that we uh, that we were going to try to move the business into being um, a green uh, design studio, and it failed miserably um, through economic reasons. And what happened was that we decided that we were going to start only using um, vegetable inks. Um, yep. we were going to use recycled or sustainable FSC papers mm-hmm. um, only, uh, which, you know, I think everybody should do. But, um, and all our clients loved it. And the company that we were also affiliated with were doing a lot of green work um, and were pushing us to do, uh, pushing themselves to do that. So f- trying to recycle signage, banners and all that kind of stuff gets repurposed which is probably the best use of um recycling is so you know old pvc banners that can't be broken down so it gets chipped and then colored and turned into um children play area for matting you know that sort of soft yep. rubber stuff yeah um and, and all sorts of wild and crazy things like that um and then 2008 came along and mm. the economy pretty much closed down and our business and their business were purely based on the building industry and all of these, they all stopped uh, wanting uh, more expensive recycled papers or more expensive recycled this or that or whatever. They just wanted the cheapest product possible to get their products out to market. And so that forced our hand, um, sadly, in the short term, that we meant that we had to change our tap. No, because we, uh, all of our business was based on it, or, you know, uh, we, rather than go bust, we had to change our, uh, our outlook, um, which made me feel terrible and, um, and hypocritical and all those kind of things. But is it possible to run that kind of business? Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts? Well, it's always possible for certain, uh, I mean, talking specifically about design and print, you know, it's always going to be possible for certain agencies to run that kind of a business because of the type of client they have and the, you know, the volume of work that they can do, that they can, you know, offset some of those costs elsewhere. You know, it's like when we talked about, you know, uh, design awards, you know, there's only, it's typically a certain sort of type of company that puts in for all the awards and, you know, because they've got the time to do it or free pitching as well, you know. So there's always going to be one level of company that can do all these things without, suffering too much financially um and then i guess there's there's the other companies the the much smaller companies who do it purely for kind of ethical reasons rather than because they just want to be seen to be doing it um and they i guess have a slightly different approach to it financially um you know they must be just looking for clients that are going to be willing to pay more but then, uh, you know, like you know, like your experience, you know, if times get tough and there's another crash, do all those clients back away from that uh, idealism? I mean, do you, yeah, do you? If if not all of the directors believe in it, you know, and you're a largest design agency, um, and uh, none of your clients want it, um, then would you put a business out? Would you <laughs> would you make them go out of business or? or just, you know, refuse work just because of that, then yes, you probably would if you were really idealistic about it. But we are in a capitalist society, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately, but, you know, sadly, that drives the market, doesn't it? Um, And that's what got me thinking about, you know, can you make profit from being an ecologically... um, I'm sure... I guess it just takes a very different approach. Um, and I haven't thought about exactly what that approach should be. But, you know, I can't, I can't believe it's not possible. 
Yeah. I mean, like big business getting into um, recycling and reducing waste, what do you think happens to the profit that they when they start saving money because they're reducing costs because they're not yeah. uh, using so much waste? Where do you think that profit goes? It, it doesn't go into anything else, does it, other than... Um, Some, someone's pockets. <laughs> not, not the workers. Well, it, it goes back into reducing exactly what drives the recycling, the need for recycling, doesn't it? Um, mm. So, for example, a chemical company like Dupont, uh, they are massively into recycling, but all of that profit goes back into making new chemicals. Yeah. What What's the positive side of that? I I, I struggle to see it. Um, and, uh, and I've obviously done about two hours research into this. <laughs> it's so two hours know. more than I did. But it would be really, if people are listening and have got interesting websites or, you know, information that they can give us, then um, I'd, love, I'd love to see it. But I just feel incredibly guilty about what we did and what, what happened, you know, and why we changed. Because I felt quite strongly about it. Um, but uh, I wasn't strong enough to be able to, you know, and I wasn't, uh, in in a in a situation where I could where I could make that happen in the business, um, yeah. and now do I do it? No, I started three years ago and I was desperate for money, and um, I don't. That's not the most important thing in my business. Um, but uh, you know, should I be should I be pushing that? Uh, especially in the new the print side of things that we're going to go into, um, should I be pushing recycling? There's a there's a um, you were talking about Baron Fig, weren't you? Yes. So they are a new a notebook manufacturer. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, I read the site and nearly passed out, but um, they do a um, plant. They plant trees. So every when you buy a book, they put some money into replanting trees. That's cool. Which is a lovely, a lovely little hook. Um, they might not be doing. You know, they might be using resources which we all are but they are actually the part of their business is is tied to you know putting stuff back mm. which is admirable i think it'd be great i think it's something you could do as well you know with this with your little print shop i think because you know you're not appealing to the mass market um you know you're going to be working with artists and other designers um I think it'd be a great thing for you to do. It'd be another little, um, kind of another little plus for a small independent company, wouldn't it? For you, I can yeah. see how that would be a selling point—not the selling point, but yeah. I wanted to be—I wanted to come out of this d- debate with a sort of positive vibe, as it, rather than feeling really depressed that governments aren't really doing the right thing, um, yeah. or or big businesses aren't doing the right thing. I mean, it's very easy to be cynical about. Apple suddenly being an eco-friendly business when for, you know, 40 years they've used the most poisonous chemicals you've ever known <laughs> to yeah. build their computers, uh, screens and all that kind of stuff. Um, and now, you know, what was in their last um, thing was a robot that took apart um, took apart phones so yeah. that it recycles them. Um, it's very easy to be cynical about that, isn't it? <laughs> or to feel, feel that. <coughs> Um, and I think also that companies also are driven to recycle by <coughs> scarcity of resources as well, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's China have hit peak coal burning. Um, they're now starting, that's starting to, uh, they were the largest coal burning mm. um, econ- economy in 2014. And that's actually started reducing because they're finding newer ways to create energy because they're running out of coal, not yeah. because they think it's dirty and they want to make the planet a more a better place. Um, they're not driven by the love of nature or wanting to preserve the earth. They're driven by money, which is amazing for a communist country. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, I just want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing and not, or, but on the other hand, not becoming totally obsessed with, um, you know, trying to, trying to create something sustainable that actually isn't financially sustainable. Mm. Because I've got a family. I think, um, you know, when we get around to kind of working out how the how it's going to work with you printing up kind of stuff for me and kind of art prints and posters and what have you, I think it, I'd love it if it was, uh, you know, environmentally 
friendly and ethical. Um, you know, make sure that you and Jess are both getting the living wage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not working more than 48 hours a week. Um, but no, I think that'd be really cool. It'd be lovely for me to be able to say that, you know, my art prints are, you know, ethically printed and what have you. See, I'm very well uh, informed <laughs> on this subject. And, yeah, it's all, it's all ethical. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, illustrators are actually the, probably the lowest impact of all designers, aren't they? You haven't seen my the... worst paper bit. Because, <laughs> uh, you know... Um, yeah, you're not really using up much resources, are you? No. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it, it's one I it does keep me awake, worrying about um, you know the waste and uh, and having clients that don't pay any attention to recycling or to um, being producing sustainable things, you know, wasting yeah. things. But yeah. uh, that I always, I'm always trying to make them reduce the size of things they print and. Um, make sure I can work things up into the right. You more know, white, so. more white space, so you use less ink. Yeah, um, there was a there was a designers who invented a font that was yeah. bu- bubble based, wasn't it? And it reduced, you know. Yeah, a tiny of, little dots in it, didn't it? Yeah. Well, it's um, like the Bell um, Bell Gothic. Uh, that was the, the that was a, an American for um, the phone te- books. Yeah. And that's yeah. got big traps in it, hasn't it? So yeah. stop the ink bleeding into it. Yeah. Um, but on a positive vibe, ending on a positive vibe, there's a there's a site called um, GreatRecoveryOrg.uk, um, and they are part of the RSA, uh, and um, they are um, basically running a series of reports and um, events that um, are trying to. Uh, improve the um is trying to create a circular economy um through design uh and um and it's totally focused on waste um so how can we create products that uh, reuse um and then services that reuse those kind of things as well it's led by a a lady called sophie thomas and there's a video on their site our story so far that's really interesting And uh, yeah, and very admirable. So I think you know these. There are lots of companies involved in it and getting involved in it. Um, But it's just you know further down the food chain. uh, How how do you make your business, and how can you make those decisions that don't put you out of business? Yeah, um, because you are chasing. um, You know, you're trying to operate in a capitalist um, system that doesn't want you to find value in anything else other than making profit. Um, but maybe that's because I'm just obsessed with that as well. <laughs> Cause I hate being broke. Don't we all? Yeah. So uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, you know, it's easy to get depressed by it, but I think it's something we should all think about more though. Definitely. Yeah. How can we, I think about it far too little. I've got to be honest. Um, and I feel guilty about that. Now. You've made me feel bad, John. Sorry. No, no, no. That's a good thing, I think. Um, are you eating pie now? Have pie got, has been delivered. A, have you got a website of the week? I have got a website of the week. Um, yeah. Quickly, a couple of weeks ago we did uh, the 1970s magazine, Avant Garde. The whole, um, every issue was put online uh, to download high res. And uh, a website called Monoscope. Dot org. I don't know anything about them. They have put a series of Bauhaus books and journals online, high-res scans, so you can download books by Gropius and Paul Klee and Maholi Nage, Theo van Doesburg, Piet Mondrian. Uh, so, yeah, so if you like uh, the Bauhaus, not the band, the design and art movement, um, get yourself over there and have a look. Uh, that is monoscope.org um, and have a look for the Bauhaus on that site. Really, very cool. Excellent. Um, my website of the week is um, tied into the uh, – this was a site that we used to use a lot when we were trying to be eco-warriors. Uh, it's called Lovely as a Tree, and um, it's basically a resource for um, getting into um, sustainable print. Um, oh, cool. So uh, it's still there. Um, I don't think it's been updated in quite a long time. 
Um, it looks quite dated in terms yeah. of design. Um, but I think it was designed by Airside or built by them. Yeah. You remember them? The yeah, I do. Design agency that also made music. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so get over there. There's loads of information about um, what what you can do to get started. So uh, finding greener printers. There's quite a lot less of them <laughs> than uh, than there than there were. But um, basically, you need to be printing with vegetable inks. Um, yep. uh, that uses a lot more water, uh, from what I remember. But um, and also, you know, what what you can do in terms of papers, what you can use, you know, not using sometimes using we we obsess with using recycled paper. Well, it's sometimes better not to use recycle because <laughs> recycle can't be recycled again. Quite a lot of it. So okay. there's loads of information there about FSC paper and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, dip in and and, and fill your boots. Um, and obviously, all your paper mill people will give you advice on on what you can use um, and try and educate your clients into using uh, more sustainable uh, products. Um, Something we should all do. But, you know, the problem is with me mainly is, you know, I very rarely get the print jobs these days. Um, They go go straight to the printers and you don't have no idea, no control over it. But maybe that's me. That's the fault with me, with with the kind of clients I've got and I need to um, find better ones. I don't know. Um, I'm sure that's what top, designers would tell me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so um that's it um pies i have to go and get my pie okay um, go for it will you give me a sec yeah yes um what have you got then you go for it i have got a pie that my uh delightful mother-in-law brought me back from hemsley in north yorkshire right. which is where i got married and and uh, her and my father-in-law were up there with some friends uh, and they went to thomas's deli in the in the square there, and got me this pie, and we're not entirely sure what this pie is. It's a it's a pork it's a it's not a pork pie, but it's a pork pie. But it's got a if you imagine um, getting some pork crackling and then blitzing it in a in a food processor, it's got that on top as like the crumb on top of the pastry. Keep talking. <laughs> uh, it sounds great. So I'm just gonna dive in mm. it's very very crunchy um that's really nice it's quite a it's like a ham hock type pie quite herby um very moist uh, and i'm having it with brown sauce obviously yeah um yeah that's really good that's a good pie what's it called i don't know okay it's a I don't know. A crackling topped pork ham hock pie or something from Thomas's in Hemsley. And what are you going to give it? Right, just nudges an eight. An eight? Yeah, I was going to give it a 7.9, but I know you don't like decimals. Okay. So what have you got? Mine is a um, it's a posh one, actually. Ooh. Uh, it, well, it was it was from the supermarket. It's Charlie Biggums. Have you seen those ones in the supermarket? Uh, I haven't, I don't think. So it's a steak and ale pie, but it comes, um, it, it's got like a wax paper top on it mm-hmm. and it's in a ceramic pot, like a ramekin, mm-hmm. um, quite expensive. And it says, yeah, and it's, um, uh, well, it looks like a cheats pub pie, you know, so it's got yeah. the puff pastry on top, no pie, no pie crust underneath. I'm going in. Nice and crisp by the sound of it. Yeah. It's, um, Sorry. Bloody boiling. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got a cold beer there to... Um... No. Ah, oh, that's burnt me, actually. Oh, dear. Oh. Schoolboy error. I know. I didn't realise it was... It's been out of the oven for ages. Um, it's basically sealed in at sort of the solar light temperature. Yeah. Um, right, so this guy, he really rates himself. Um, he's got his signature on on at least 10 times on the packaging um and uh, it says that it's slow cooked with a smooth ale and a shake of worcester sauce yeah he's been making um delicious food since 1996 good for him um is it delicious can you actually taste it or um uh, it's pretty hot Hang on. Oh, it's too hot to eat 
Um, it's okay. This is a first. It's okay. It's a bit liquid inside. I have to say, it's it, there's not uh, it's not very generous with the old filling, yeah. um, and uh, it's not as good as the um, what were the pies are really the pie minster. Mm. The steak's okay. It's a bit gelatinous inside, so, you know. So it's it's been thickened. Yeah. Um, the pastry is just puff pastry, which is a bit depressing, really, isn't it? it yeah. That's been drooped over the top of it. So I have to say, all in all, it's not a great pie. Out of ten. For the amount of money it cost for two of them, it was seven pound fifty. I know. Out of ten, it's going to get a five, and that's generous. That's poor. So Charlie Bigham needs to big him up. Yeah. Too hot. <laughs> Um, that's really burnt my mouth. <laughs> that was shut me up, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, all in all, that's about it, really, isn't it? It is. Support? I think so. So that's it. We've we've sorted out the um, the environment. Uh, the we've environment. saved the earth. Uh, uh, I have to say, I'm sorry. I made absolutely no sense during that whatsoever. Um, but I'm kind of like, I feel really guilty about it, and I'm kind of like, I haven't, I don't know enough about anything. <laughs> Well, we can, and I don't either, but we can come back to that, can't we? Yeah, you know, I think we can so. Look into it, particularly, you know, if we do our little print thing, we can, you know, maybe it should be a little project that we try and do it, uh, or at least, you know, look into doing it ethically and environmentally friendly. Well, I think, yeah, I think that goes without saying that when I start my, you know, a new business, it would definitely have a lot more, uh, a lot more thinking behind it than, mm. oh my god, I haven't got a job. What shall I do? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, th- I was thinking if anyone's got any suggestions of things that they'd like us to talk about, then um, please send us a message or, you know, tweet yep. us or whatever. Because, uh, yeah, we'd love to um, just randomly talk about nonsense that we have because we didn't think we'd talk about anything today and we've been going on for an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it would be really nice if people could, uh, you know, point us in the direction of a topic that we or everyone else might find interesting. Yeah. So next week, uh, we don't know the topic yet, but we will talk to each other before. We will. Then. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's the book. It's the book, book. So if you haven't read it, it's only, uh, it's like 50 pages or something. It's really, really short book. Yeah. And it's um, five or six quid on Amazon. In Praise of Shadows by Yunichiro Tanazaki. And uh, it's really about design or, or about perception of, um, his perception of what, what, what is good aesthetics. Yeah. Uh, and uh, fantastic yeah I loved it Um, it's full of wonderful language so um, yeah we'll be discussing that next week marvellous until then Mr Turpin it's been a joy Mr Elliman I hope you have a lovely weekend Uh, and you and Um, uh, we'll talk to you next week yeah take care cheers John bye bye